Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Why don't you grab your Bibles while you're standing today in Isaiah chapter 8. I want to look at this text as we are in this series called River Wake and um, uh, grateful for, for uh, this team and uh, what God is doing. As we've already said, everywhere the waters go, dead things come to life and life flourishes. That's what we believe. And I, I want to declare today that there is a stream who makes, makes glad. There is a river who makes glad. There is a river who causes joy, who causes abundance and uh, that we would flow in the abundance of what God has. And I believe part of the, the rivers flowing with life are that we flow with peace and the presence of God. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 8. You can uh, follow along on the, the screen or if you have your Bibles, even the Version Bible app. I want to just read it and then we'll, we'll look at the context as we, as we look at this, uh, this message today. Here's what it says in, in Isaiah chapter 8 verse 5. Then the Lord spoke to me again and said, My care for the people of Judah is like the gently flowing waters of Shiloh but they have rejected it. They are rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin and King Pekah. Therefore, the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria in all his glory. This flood, this flood will overflow all of its channels and sweep into Judah until it is chin deep. It will spread its wings, submerging your land from one end to the other, O Emmanuel. This is, this is Isaiah adding at the end of it saying, O God. How many have ever been in moments you're like, oh God, oh God, there's a situation. He says, oh Emmanuel, and he uses Emmanuel because he just promised the chapter before that there will be a son born of a virgin. How many are grateful that that son, that promise, that Messiah has come? And how many know his name is Jesus? Come on, somebody just declare the name of Jesus in this place today. The name of Jesus above every name. He says that these waters will overtake. He says, oh Emmanuel, but look at verse 9. Verse 9, then a response. Huddle together, you nations, and be terrified. Listen, all you distant lands. Prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Yes, prepare for battle, but you'll be crushed. Call your councils of war, but they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed. Why? For God is with us. Is there someone able to declare today that there's still a God alive and at work on the earth, still working in our land, in our country? Yes, devise your plans. Yes, come up with your schemes. Yes, look what's happening. But our God is with us. So you can do what you want to do, Satan, but it won't prevail. It won't work. How many know we have a God who overcomes every plan and work of the enemy and the word of God will not return void. How many believe this word, this confidence? So God, I pray this confidence will come alive in our heart and that it would produce peace in the innermost being of our hearts today in Jesus name. If you agree with that, say amen. And you may be seated. High five someone on your way to being seated and just ask them, got peace? I don't know if you got peace. I hope you have peace. Welcome. Welcome to church. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us today on this Labor Day weekend. And uh, thanks for uh, worshiping with us. Uh, just before we, we dive into this message today, I want to just uh, give some uh, announcements and just let you know so we're all on the same page with River Wake as we heard. Uh, it's happening now, and uh, each week it's going to build until the, the week of, of uh, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th, uh, Sunday, September 26th, building to that time where we'll be doing uh, outreach events, uh, community events in each of these communities in uh, Point Marion, Brownsville, and Bell Vernon, all along the river. And here's why. 
because the, the word Monongahela means fallen banks. And we believe that God is going to bring a Monongahela and God is already doing a Monongahela that the waters that are strong, knocking down strongholds of the enemy. And we're, we're, we're targeting these river towns just because we sense and believe this is what God is putting in our hearts to declare and be a part of. And so today, uh, many of our teams, if you've not signed up for a team, it's not too late. It's not going to be too late at any point. But today we have uh, teams that are meeting in each of these communities for prayer walks. So I encourage you to get a part of those teams, one of those teams, and we're just gonna pray uh, over those communities. Next week, we're gonna be doing Serve Day on 9-11. What a way to honor uh, uh, and just remember the 20th anniversary of 9-11 as uh, we just serve in these communities. And uh, so that'll be happening next weekend. The weekend after that then is our camp, Canvas weekend. And that's just inviting folks. We have uh, invites that are, that are being made and uh, we'll have those available uh, next week and start handing those out for each of those communities. Uh, so you wanna be careful. Don't take the one for Bel Vernon and give it to someone at Point Marion because that would just be a little confusing. Uh, but uh, we'll have those invites made and, and we'll take a weekend and just go into those communities and invite folks. You may already know people who live in those communities. And so start sharing the word and start inviting them uh, to that event. We'll do that Canvas uh, weekend and then that will set up our week uh, of Sunday the 26th. That week will be services or outreaches in each of those communities culminating on September 26th Everybody say September 26. September 26. I uh, I found out while I fell why I fell in love with Fayette County, and that's because Fayette County shares the same birthday as my wife. So that's what what it what it is. So uh, September 26 is uh, um, uh, the day that we're going to be joining together at Marshall Park. Now let me make it clear: we will not be having church Sunday morning, September 26, here in this building. We will be doing church. Some, some might say, well, what's that all about? And, and the whole reason for that is we're bringing the whole community together. We have other churches and uh, leaders are gonna be a part of that five o'clock service at Marshall Park. And you say, well, why not do both? Here's the practical reason, because we will have teams that will be going all week from place to place and working and serving. And we feel the focus and the energy, because how many know in life you can't do everything, so you have to figure out what to do well because you can't do everything. Somebody just needs that word right now. Nudge your neighbor and tell them, see, you can't do everything. Somebody needs to, needs to put some management and boundaries in there and being able to operate. We can't do everything, but that focus that week is we're gonna focus on uh, Uniontown. And so on the 26th, we'll not have church here in the morning. We will have a joint community service, 5 p.m. at Marshall Park. We're doing it at 5 p.m. because other churches will be joining and uh, being a part of that time at Marshall Park. Here's the significance of Marshall Park. Marshall Park is named after George C. Marshall, who was uh, the, the individual born in Uniontown, but wrote the Marshall Plan that came up with the idea and the infrastructure to help rebuild Europe after World War II. And so in the place that carries his name, we're going to declare the name that has already had a plan to rebuild the world, because even though sin came in, there was one who already had a plan. We're going to declare the name of Jesus, who has the ultimate peace plan and uh, rebuilding plan. So we can see what happened in Isaiah 58. You'll be known as rebuilders of broken walls and lives in Jesus' name. How many believe that when we take the word as what it is and we stand on God's word, we trust God, he causes things to come alive in Jesus' name. So we're glad you're joining us. If you're new at Faith Assembly, it's your first time or our fairly recent uh, uh, River Wake is uh, this month of, of September. Invite you to join us to be a part of that. But you'll find a connect card in, in front of you and you can fill that out and drop that in the offering stands as you go, or you can um, uh, drop it off, better yet, at the next steps area to connect with somebody. But we're just glad you're here, glad you're part of church with us today, and uh, hope that you'll be encouraged. If you're not getting emails from us, encourage you to fill that out. Let us know that, or check your spam. 
folder and because uh, we want to keep you up to date. That's our best way that we can uh, just let you know what, what is happening and send reminders like the 26th. We're not going to be here on Sunday morning. We'll be at Marshall Park. But uh, glad you're, you're worshiping with us today and uh, uh, hope you'll get connected with us. I also want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Um, it, we know it's the Lord's provision and uh, God has been faithful to this house and uh, because of his faithfulness, we've been able to go through even what was uh, COVID and a time of being uh, seeming uh, difficult, the Lord has provided. And uh, we don't say this in any other way except the gratitude of the Lord, that God has sustained us and we've been even better than we were and we didn't even have to take any loans from the government. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying thank God that we are able to say we're not having a good year because, well, we got a loan from the government. No, we're having a good year because of the Lord's faithfulness and God's favor. And so I want to say thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for giving. It allows us to do River Wake. It allows us to uh, partner with Convoy of Hope who's serving in uh, the devastated areas of, of Hurricane Ida and, and all that's happening. And so uh, we continue to take care of our Jerusalem while supporting and trusting and helping what's going on in Samaria and Judea and the other parts of the, of the earth. And so all of those, those regions. And so thank you for your faithfulness in, in giving. Well, it's week two of River Wake, and uh, uh, so here's the title I want to share from today is Navigating Troubled Waters. I don't know if anybody has ever experienced troubled waters in your life, and uh, it's that moment when everything seems to be going along, and then unseemingly out of nowhere comes this unwanted, unexpected, uh, inconvenient situation that sets everything upside down and turns back and forth. We all have experienced those moments of, of troubled waters. Waters, And I want to talk today about walking and navigating in those times because without a doubt, we are where we are because of the waters we've traveled through. Um, they've, they've helped make who we are and formed and, and helped to play a part in, in who we are. I don't know what your water experience is. Some people are like all about the water. Other people are like, don't even put me anywhere near it. I don't want anything to do with the water. My grandmother was, was that way and uh, uh, she would not even get near the, the swimming pool. She wouldn't come over to the house if we were swimming that day because she didn't want to watch us swim. She just didn't like the water, didn't like anything to do with the water. And so some people, you have those different experiences. There's the, the, the experiences that you can have. There's the, the, the boating on the lake experience. Kind of cool. It's nice. Uh, uh, a wise person said, you don't need a boat, just have friends with boats. That's a uh, I think it's wisdom. I'll stick to that one. Uh, there's, there's the experience of, of just uh, uh, riding down the river, just floating down the river experience. There's, there's also the fishing, deep sea fishing experience. I don't know what your water experience might be. And uh, I don't mind the water. It's like one of those things that I enjoy it, but it's like I, I have uh, this, this, uh, this, this respect for it as well. But, I, but it also is coupled with, I want to get my money's worth. Uh, that's part of me. There's, there's things of, of me that uh, I just like to get my money's worth. Is there anybody else like you like to get your money's worth? We, we went jet skiing a couple years ago. We were in Ocean City, had the family there. We went jet skiing. Everybody had to pair up. I had my own jet ski. And I thought, well, this is the moment. I've never done this before, but I saw people do something, so I'm going to try it. So I tried it, took a hard, uh, hard turn, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing. So while the ski went that way, my body went that way. And uh, I fell into the water, and so, you know, it's the ocean. It's one of those things like, what's out here? What am I? And so I start swimming back to the ski, getting there as quickly as I can. And then I realized, wait, the water's only up to here. So I started walking the rest of the way back to the, the ski. I got on, and, and everybody's like, Dad, you went into the water. This was my, this was my, my moment of, of honor. No, kids, 
You stayed on your boat and on your ski. I got my money's worth because I knew what it was like to be on and off. I had the time of my life. I honestly felt like that was like worth it. It it was a lot of fun. I like getting my money's worth. There's also the white water rafting experience. Anybody white water rafting? You've done it. You enjoyed it. Not really. We're too close to Ohio Powell, Ohio, right? It's like, uh, if you're from the area, you don't do usually what's around there. It's like, I grew up in Gettysburg. And if you ask people from Gettysburg, like, have you ever toured the Battle of Gettysburg? No. What? There's a battlefield? What? <laughs> I mean, don't realize the, the things that are nearby. And uh, I had a season of whitewater rafting. I say it was a season because it was in my high school years, and I haven't done it since. But in my season of high school, or in in high school, whitewater rafting, I I had the opportunity because of friends I was hanging out with, friends in our youth group, connections I had made. Uh, We had done some whitewater rafting in Virginia, West Virginia, even out to California and in Oregon. And uh, it was uh, just one of those experiences that it it was fun. It's also probably an experience because I wanted to go along and they were friends of mine. Be careful who you hang out with. Uh, it's fun and exciting doing whitewater rafting uh, until the part where they give you the instructions that if you fall out of the boat, it's fun till you fall out of the raft. And at that point, the instructions are float on your back, feet first, and we'll pick you up on the other side, the other side of the rapids. And I'm like, is this really the best you've got for me? I mean, what did I pay you for? If the option is pick me up on the other side of the rapids. I mean, I wanna get my money's worth. So where's the 999 aisle that says, get a helmet, we'll pick you up on the other side of the rapids offer. I mean, that option would make more sense. I paid more and this experience. And so I had the experience falling out of the water and yes, they picked me up on the other side of the rapids. And if only in life we could pick and choose because there's also another water experience, and that's the dinner cruise. Jody and I, before kids, and I I, want to say this today because, uh, remind her, um, that uh, before kids came along, she took me to Chesapeake Bay, and we went on a dinner cruise, and uh, we had all-you-could-eat hard-shell crabs for my birthday on a dinner cruise. That was before the kids. The kids are out of the house. Can we go back now? I mean, it's a... Is it time? If only we could pick and choose when it's the dinner cruise, when it's the rapids, but how many know you don't get to pick the waters of life that you go through at times? It's one thing to risk the moments and risk that having that experience on the rapids of Ohio Pile. It's another thing to risk your peace in the rapids of life. See, Jesus said that he came to give us life more abundantly. And that abundant life exists and, and consists of living with peace, a peace that passes all understanding. See, sometimes we're living in life and we're waiting for peace to come, but peace is not what you get. Peace is what you hold on to when you have Christ in the midst of whatever it is that we're walking through. I wanna talk today about navigating the troubled waters, walking or going through the places that might be difficult that we experience. Here is Ahaz, he is the king of Judah, And as the king of Judah, he has a threat coming against him. As we read in in Isaiah chapter 8, these chapter 7 and 8 really deal with this one experience that was coming against Judah at the time. Judah is separated from Israel, all because of of, uh, the sin of the the nation and and disobeying God, creating separate places of worship. Uh, When we don't obey God, there's consequences. How many know there's still consequences today for not obeying and honoring God? But here's the faithfulness. God walks with us in every season, 
And even in the consequences, there's still hope and grace that comes from God to heal, restore, and to bring us where we need to be. Here is Judah separated from Israel. Uh, Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. And uh, of course, Judah being the smaller kingdom is already at a place of vulnerability. But there is another nation called Syria that is, a, that is a north of them as well. Syria connects with Israel. And the plan is, why don't we together go and attack Judah? Without a doubt now, Judah is shaking. The Bible says in chapter 7, they're shaking like trees. How many have ever had experience where a report that nothing you did, nothing you caused just comes along, and now you have something coming against you? We're shaking like trees. Here is Judah shaking like trees because of the threat that's coming against. But the, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Isaiah comes and gives Judah, King Ahaz, a message. How many are thankful for the word of God that meets you in your moments of disappointment, in your moments of troubled waters, in your moments of, 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 of turning upside down and dis, disappointment? But here's what you need to understand, that the word of God comes. But here, if you're taking notes, going through the, the, the navigating the troubled waters, here's number one, that before the word of God can give you an answer, it first gives you a choice. Before the word of God can give you an answer, it first gives you a choice. You see, because you and I have a choice to make whether or not to stand on the word of God. One of the most troubling scriptures that I, that I read is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. And as he's weeping over the city, he says to the city, I wanted to protect you and keep you and shelter you like a, like a hen shelters her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. That whole word just, 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 just causes chills. The, the whole idea, I wanted to protect, I wanted to provide, but, but you wouldn't let me. You, you wouldn't receive the help that I had. It's not that we oftentimes reject the promise of what God says he'll do, but in the process, we sometimes become disillusioned and we love God's promise. We just don't like waiting on his process. We like God's promise that he'll get us through, that he'll, that he'll bring us through, that he'll walk with us. And we, we love the idea, but sometimes the difficulty is trying to trust in the midst of what we're facing. That this rejection is, is sometimes saying, God, I, I love your word. I love the promise. I just don't like the process. Anybody ever been in the position where you know God gave you a promise and then you try to figure out how God's going to do it? So God, let me help you make this happen. God, let me, let me figure this out for you. You said you're going to cause this to be the outcome, so let me tell you the path and the way to get there. But how many know his ways are not our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He operates in ways that I don't even understand all of his ways, but I know the peace of God that passes all understanding. I'm thankful for the word of God that comes in those moments, but we have to make a decision. Here's what, what, what uh, Isaiah says to King Ahaz in one of his moments in verse uh, seven or chapter seven, verse nine of Isaiah. He says, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot steady you if you won't put your trust in me. Unless your faith is firm, I can't make you stand firm that you want God to stabilize and bring us through. And what we have to acknowledge is, God, I'm not putting my trust in what you do. I'm putting my trust in who you are because who you are is faithful. And because you're faithful, I'll trust whatever you do, that your ways are good, that you're for me, you're not against me, that you'll bring me through. I'm gonna stand on your promise and trust in the midst of this path that, what, that we might be on. God has allowed us at places to, to, to be made by what we go through. But before the word of God can be an answer, 
in our lives, it gives us a choice. And we have to make the decision to trust God and stand on his word. Here's what the verse that we read in Isaiah chapter eight, verse five says, the Lord spoke to Isaiah again and said, my care for the people of Judah is like the gently flowing waters of Shiloh. I wanna care for my people like the gently, gently flowing waters of Shiloh, but they have rejected it. Instead, they're rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin and King Pekah. You see, God gave them an option, but instead they chose. They knew that Isaiah gave a word to Ahaz that God is gonna bring you through. God's gonna cause, in fact, he says, these burnt embers will become nothing. That they're gonna be burnt out. They're not gonna last. They're not gonna be, be around. Just hold on. God's gonna bring you through. Even though the pressure might come, even though there might be difficulty, yes, the water might rise. Yes, the fire might get hot, but he's the God who's in the fire and he's a God who's greater than the waves. He's a God who lifts us out of the waves. He's a God who walks with us in the fire. He's the God that even though this comes against us, he will not leave us or forsake us. This is his promise. But sometimes we're looking for the one that says, you'll never have to go through fire. You'll never have to go through water. You'll never have to go through tough places. But the peace that God gives us is in the midst of whatever it is. How many would be honest and say, there are times we're tempted to try and trade the God of promise for the God of doing it the way we want it done. This is Ahaz who recognizes God has given a word, but then he makes a decision because there's another kingdom called Assyria. Assyria is so big that it overtakes and becomes setting up its rule in its kingdom called Babylon. Have you ever heard of Babylon? This whole thing of Babylon ruling all started centuries before and even time before because Ahaz said, I want to trust God, but I can't see how he's gonna do it, so I need to trust in what I can see because I'm not sure I can trust what I can't see. You ever been in that situation? And so then Ahaz says, Assyria comes along and the king of Assyria says, hey, we're bigger than all of them. If you come and join our team, we'll take care of Israel and we'll take care of Syria. And so all of a sudden, Babylon comes in and takes over. Here's the problem. How many know the world doesn't do anything for free? My dad always explained it this way. My dad said, Jesus is like cash and Satan is like credit cards. Jesus tells you what it costs up front. You pay it, you got it, you're good. The devil, it's like credit card. that says you can have it now, but you're gonna pay for it later. You're gonna, it's gonna cost you more in the long run. It's gonna cost you in the process. And here's what it costs the, the king. The, the Bible says that because they rejected the streams of Shiloh, the place of peace, the place of provision, because they rejected that, now comes the flood of the Euphrates, which is from the north, which is Assyria. But even in all of that, God shows his faithfulness. God shows his, his faithfulness in, in every place, in the decisions, and whatever it is that we would make. We, you and I have a choice to make. Emotions can indicate, uh, uh, indicate or create the troubled waters that we experience because in the moment we have a decision and the decision we're making has to be careful that it's not made by our emotions, but it's made in the proper way because how many know if you make an emotional decision, it's probably not the best one. When we become emotional in that moment, it's usually not the best decision. But here, here's point number two. If you're taking notes, emotions indicate the depth of our trust in Jesus as well as the depth of our troubled waters. 
If we, if we don't trust Jesus more than we trust our emotions, how many know we might end up making the waters even more troubled than they were in the first place? That when we're not trusting even more, that this gives indication. You say, no, Jason, my situation caused my troubled waters. I would say back to you, no, your situation is life. Your decision is life-changing. Yes, your life is naturally changed by what you've gone through, absolutely. But the direction of how it affects you is made by the decision. You have, you have struggle in life, that's called life. Your situation didn't cause, your, your situation isn't the outcome and didn't change your life. Your situation is just called life. How we respond to it will deter, determine how it changes us. And the response of, of how we move in those moments, being careful that our emotions are in, the, in a place that is proper, that we're not changed by what happens to us, but we're changed by how we respond. And this is Ahaz. Ahaz is in a place, the threat is coming against him. Isaiah gives him a word. These burnout embers won't last. God is gonna provide, he's gonna keep you. Ahaz gets that word and says, that sounds great, but I can't stop looking at the waters that's getting higher. I can't stop looking at what seems to be coming against. So in a moment of panic, how many know it's not usually smart to panic? One of the times I went whitewater rafting, the guy said, if, if you fall out of the boat, feet first, on your backside, just float. And then he says, don't panic or you'll make it worse. You know how hard it is not to panic when you're going through whitewater? How many know it's easier said than done? How many know you, 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 you've likely been in a place, in a place of worship? God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, I know you. God, I stand. And then as you go wrong, it's like, wait, the report came, and it's not what I wanted it to be, not what I thought it would be. God, I, I trust you, but. God, I trust you in this. We're in those places, and here it is. Ahaz sees the water rising, and when he does, he takes hold of Assyria, and he gets help from Assyria. And as he gets help from Assyria, here's what happens. His fear rose, and because of his fear, he then began probably to panic in a place of saying, God, I, I, I want to trust you, but I want to encourage us that it's a choice in every place. It's a choice, but let me encourage us about our emotions because the emotions become an indicator of our trust in Jesus as well as an indicator of the depth of the troubled waters we're in. It's kind of like the sonar that when the, the, it sends out the sound wave and it goes through to see where the, the depth is and it, it hits something that is, that is solid and then gives a reading back, it's how far it goes before it hits something solid and it tells us that our emotions become an indicator of how close or how far we are from Jesus. That our emotions are moments that become an indicator and I don't know if you're like me and your emotions at times have indicated that, oh, I'm not as close to Jesus as I need to be in this moment or I'm not trusting him like I need to in this moment. Is there anybody that your emotions at times got the best of you? Don't raise your hand. There are moments where the emotions are overwhelming and it becomes a revelation. And here's the thing, the emotions give us a revelation. It indicates where we are and our emotions in the proper place allows us to indicate what it is that's going on in our lives because it tells us how far we are 
don't get beat up by the revelation because here's what happens to me. I don't know about you, but this is how the enemy works on me. There are moments in my emotions, it becomes an indicator and the indicator gives me a revelation of where I am and where I need to be. And when I'm at a place where I don't, I'm not where I should be, that I've allowed either my, 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 uh, my uneasiness or, or anxiety or whatever it might be, my insecurities get triggered or something comes, there's those moments that it rises up in me and then it reveals that I'm not putting my faith where it needs to be. And here's what the enemy does. The enemy says, see that revelation? You're not as good. You don't deserve. You're not godly. You don't have what, is there anybody else that in the midst of the revelation, the enemy comes against and the enemy tries to put on you, you're not good enough. All right, just a so short therapy session for me then. Thanks for, uh... I don't think I'm the only one. I don't think I'm the only one that when the revelation happens and, and those emotions, those, those fears, those, those thoughts, those concerns, and it feels to overtake, and there's a revelation. And in that revelation, it says, wait, something needs attention here. The sonar starts to give indication. Something's out of place. It needs to be. And the enemy wants to come along and beat you up and say, see, you're not where you're supposed to be. See, you don't have what it takes. See, you can't hang around those people. See, you can't be in ministry. See, you don't have anything. And the enemy will try to beat you up, but he is a God of grace and compassion. He is not condemning. That revelation is not meant to beat you up. That revelation is I'm throwing you a lifeline. And if you'll hold on, there's no water that I can't take you out of. There's nothing I can't rescue you from. That there's a God who will keep you in that revelation. Here's emotions. They're so important. And, and not, not just emotions we have to control. Yes, we have to control. But before you can control them, you got to understand them. You can't control your emotions if you don't know what the, what's happening. Control your anger. Well, yes, control your anger. But before you control your anger, let me give you some indicators that happen. Here's some indications, emotions. One of them is this, that when we're angry, it identifies what's most important to us. Jesus, when he was in the temple, he was bothered because they were selling things and making money in his father's house. Jesus became angry. And the Bible says he turned over the tables. He became upset. Why was he upset? Because what was important to him was the presence of his father and the house of his father, that the place of worship. He was angry because of what was important to him. And so what that has to tell me is when I'm angry, yeah, I need to control my anger, but maybe I need to first say, why am I angry? Because whatever I'm angry over is indicating what's important to me. And I need to ask myself, is this really that important? I need to allow myself to indicate, is this really the situation? What this is indicating? Here's another one. Jesus, uh, it says, uh, of course, if, if we're, we're sad, there's nothing wrong with sadness. Of course, depression overtaking us, that can become out of line and, and that becomes overwhelming and a burden. But sadness isn't a problem because sadness indicates what you're hopeful for. Sadness indicates what your, where your hope is coming from, what you're hopeful for. Jesus said this, that he was weeping over Lazarus. Lazarus had died, Jesus wept. Jesus didn't weep because Lazarus was dead because he came with the resurrection power. How many know he's not weeping because he's like, oh, I hope this works. Jesus wasn't weeping over Lazarus because he was dead. He was weeping over Lazarus or weeping in this place because what he had hoped for the people was not what, he, what they were experiencing. He had hoped they would be further than this. He hoped that they would know him and have this confidence. He was hoping more for them. And because his hope was more and it wasn't accomplishing what he had hoped for, how many know that when things aren't reaching the thing that you're hoping for, it causes a burden? When, when people you love or your kids, they're not walking in the path that you know. Are there any parents who know that your kids aren't making the decisions you, you, you wish they would make and it burdens or it saddens or it causes pain in your heart? Why? Because what you hope for 
And when you have a sadness, it indicates what, what are you hoping for? Is that hope in line and in promise of what Jesus, take captive every thought that lifts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's connected to your emotions. What I say to people is you can't control your feelings, but you can control your thoughts. You can't control your emotions, but you can control your thoughts. Get control of your thoughts and you'll begin to affect your emotions. So this isn't a get control of your emotions. Yeah, that's in there. But before you do that, You've got to understand and recognize what is this indicating in my life? Here's the other one, rejoicing or joy. Rejoicing indicates what it is that you're putting your trust in. That when you have joy, you're identifying this is what I'm hope, what my trust is in, and it's recognizing trust. Notice, and this would even be Jesus. He says in Luke chapter 10, he says, I rejoice that you have revealed yourself to them, to the Father. He says, I rejoice, and, and through the Holy Spirit, that you have revealed this mystery to them. What was the revelation? The revelation was the word of God. Jesus was saying, I'm so grateful. I'm rejoicing because your word has been revealed to them. What is his, what is his trust, the word? How many know that when we trust the word of God, we can stand with every promise and every, every trust? So Jesus knew emotions. So this is not where get your emotion, get your emotion. Men don't cry. Can I just tell you right now, some men need to really cry. Like, oh, you're one of those guys. <laughs> I, I believe there are times for emotions. I think one of the worst things sometimes at disappointment is people say, be strong, don't cry, be strong. Mm-mm. No. Because in those moments, I don't have to be strong. I have to fall on the one who is strong. Now, yeah, I've got to get my, my, I can't let my emotions overwhelm and over, absolutely, I know all that, I get that. But guess what? It's okay to have emotions because God created you with them. And they become indicators so we can know where are we in, in, the, in the things of God? Where, where, where am I lining up? Here's what it was for King Ahaz. The Bible says he rejected the gentle waters of Shiloh and rejoiced over what would happen to Rezin and Pekah, the kings of Syria and Israel. Why did he rejoice? Because he put his trust in Assyria. Be careful what it is that brings us joy. Because it's in the joy if we don't get things under control. The, the emotions indicate where we are with Jesus. And how many know that if we let our fear overwhelm us, or if we let emotions lead us in the wrong place, it could take us into deeper waters than we're already in. How many know what I'm talking about? Is that truth? All right, worship team's gonna come. I got a few more points so you don't have to transition, but they're gonna come and help us close because here's the other thing I wanna say to us, that when we apply the word of God, number three, when we apply the word of God, it causes our inevitable pain from becoming unnecessary pain. Inevitable pain becoming unnecessary pain. It's one thing to have pain, and the question today is not, uh, the, the question is not do you have pain or are you experiencing pain in life? Because how many would be honest and say, the answer is yes. I either came out of, I'm going into, or I'm in the middle of. How many recognize that that's just part of life? So the question is not, are you going through pain in life? The question is this, are you experiencing unnecessary pain in life? And here's where the unnecessary pain comes in. The unnecessary pain is when I reject the word of God and I don't apply the word of God to hold on to his promise I take matters into my own hand. I lean on my own understanding. Because here's what he says. The, the Bible says in Proverbs, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will do what? He will make your path straight. So guess what happens then if we're not 
leaning on him. And we're maintaining this, this path that becomes, that becomes difficult and, and uneasy, that we, we come to a place of recognizing that our help comes from him. And the word of the Lord is something that when we apply it, it can allow our inevitable pain to not give way to unnecessary pain. Here is Ahaz's decision to put his trust in Assyria. It came with a cost. We already talked about that that it, it will come with a cost. But when we experience the pain in our lives, and you say, well, what's the difference between inevitable pain and unnecessary pain? Inevitable pain is pain that when we go through, it has the ability to make us stronger. But when we walk through unnecessary pain, it has the ability to keep us there longer. There's never a thing of just get over it. It's never a get over it. But by God's grace, he allows us to move on. By God's grace, he allows us in those troubled waters to find strength, to find help. That when we apply the word of God, it allows us to not just get through troubled waters, but it allows us to reach our destiny. That the inevitable pain is what leads us to destiny. Unnecessary pain, we're just trying to get through it. Can I tell you, God doesn't want you to just get through it. God wants you to experience all that he has for you in the midst of whatever you're walking through. It's not easy. And here's kind of the corporate picture of this because we're all going through it individually. The corporate picture of this for us here at Faith Assembly is we've been trusting God for what the next step might be and believing for what it might look like as we, as we look to grow, as we look to make our campus more accessible and all that stuff, there are plans. We, we're, we're getting ready to end a two-year campaign, a two-year initiative of raising money and things that are going forward because what we have thought, it's not moving in that direction. And all of that we look at, and it's easy sometimes to say, what did we miss? And instead of saying, what did we miss? We just say, God, you're the captain, do what you want. And I can say, honestly, there are times that, let's be real, it can be tempting to say, well, let's try and figure this out. Let's try and understand this. Let's try and make this happen. Let's try and do whatever needs to be done. In those moments, it's tempting to do that. Because when we do, it's easy to say, look what we did. But in some moments, we've just got to stay still and hold on and trust God and say, look what the Lord has done. That what God is able to bring about, because it's easy sometimes to just go through on our own. Because when I go through on my own, I figure this out. One of the times I went white rafting in Oregon, the, uh, the guy who was the guide, we were on the boat together, obviously. Why would he be a guide on another boat? Um... He made this statement. He said, uh, now, everybody has their oar and their paddle. He said, you, you need to paddle and do what I tell you to do. Oh, he started out with this. He said, are there any leaders on the boat? Well, we all raised our hand because we were all going into ministry. <laughs> so like, he said, that's good. But on this boat, I'm the leader. So don't do what you think needs done. Do what I tell you to do. He was kind of rude. I mean, he was a little forward. He was like, he's like, we're out here. Now, we were on one of those places in, in uh, Oregon that uh, it, it's like, as we're getting there, I'm thinking, what are we doing here? He said, we're going to come on to a horseshoe that as we hit the rapid, we need to paddle in a way that causes us to turn into the 
into the, the, the rapid because if we're, not care, if we're not careful, it will cause us to go backwards. And if we go backwards into the rapids, it will overturn us, pin us against the rock and we'll die. We paid for this? Like, be careful who you hang out with. People will take you places you shouldn't go. I'm like, we gotta follow this. So he gives us all the instructions and then he's like, forward. So everybody forward, we start paddling. There's one time we're going down the, 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 uh, the river there and, and I look back and here's the guy just sitting in the back in the middle, like going along for a ride. I'm honestly thinking like, we're doing all the work. We pay you, but you just sit there for the ride while we're doing the work. Have you ever had those moments when you thought the captain, who you thought was the captain, isn't doing what you thought the captain, anybody ever been in that moment in life? You're just sitting there, what are you doing? Then he said, of course, as we get to that place that, it, that we got to hear his voice. And, and he said, you're going to get into the rapid. He said, and it's going to be loud. He said, and you're going to be tempted to respond to the water. He said, but don't look at the water. Just listen for my voice. And how many know sometimes it's tempting to respond to the water, but don't respond to the water. Don't respond to the giant that's in the mountain or in the hill in front of you. Respond to the voice of the one who speaks at the stream, who gives you five smooth stones. Don't listen to the voice that says, I'll throw you into the lion's den. Listen to the voice that says, I'm for you and not against you. Don't listen to the voice that says, if you don't bow, you're going into the fire. Listen to the voice that says, even if you go through the fire, I'll walk with you. I'll go with you. It will come out and you won't even smell like smoke on the other side. They didn't even know all that. They just knew I'm not going to bow and I'm going to trust God. And even if he doesn't, I'm not changing because my course is with the one that gave the word. You see, this morning, his word is being offered to you today. And you have a choice to take the word and apply it. And some of us are here today and God has given you his word, that word to apply in our lives and to listen because you're gonna walk through some stuff that's difficult. I wish I could tell you excitement changes everything. Can I just tell you, excitement doesn't change anything. Excitement just lasts for a little while. I've been around a lot of people that get excited about doing things for Jesus. Excited when I see Jesus. You know what, this isn't working the way I thought it was working. I'm taking my oar out of the water. I'm gonna wait and see if it goes the way I want it to go. I got the oar. No. You're rejecting the streams that God has and you're taking your own understanding and your own ways and your own wisdom. But don't lean on your own. I would say to you today, by faith in Jesus, keep on. Don't stop. You say today, well, I fell out of the boat. I hit a rapid and I, I'm just at a place I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Well, here's the good news. He also reaches out. And either way, take hold of his word. Whatever it is, take hold of his word. He's faithful. Yeah, but Jason, I don't understand why God allowed what he allowed, why I went through what I went through, why this happened the way I, I, I don't know either. I don't know. I just know his word. He's faithful. And so in the water, it's tempting. Just keep listening to his word. Just keep hiding his word in your heart and trusting, picking up the oar. Sometimes you get tired. Sometimes it seems like it's not working. 
Oh, whether the rapids are high, whether they're normal, just know that the captain is in the boat. And he said he'll never leave you or forsake you. And if he said he'll never leave you or forsake you, guess what? You're going to get through. He sent out the 72. They came back rejoicing. And they rejoiced because demons flee. Their demons had, had been cast out. And Jesus says to them, I've seen Satan fall like lightning. Don't rejoice. He says, you'll trample on scorpions. I'm going to give you victory. You already have victory, but don't rejoice that demons flee. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What is he saying to Ahaz? Don't rejoice what's going to happen to your enemy. Rejoice that I'm with you, that I'm providing for you in every place. Don't get your attention to the outcome. Get your attention to the promise and the one who gives the promise. As long as he's in my boat or I'm in his, I'm going to be all right. I'm going through some waters. I'm going to be all right. Because at the end of the day, I don't have to prove anything to you. I just have to say, God, my faith and my trust is in you. When everybody else said it needs to be different, it shouldn't be like that. God, my faith and my trust is in you. Would you stand with me in this place? What I want to ask you today is, are you trusting the one who is the captain who says, I'll walk with you in every place that you're in? God, you've given us vision and dreams for Fayette County. I believe it's happening. I believe God is doing it. Then there are other moments too. It's like, oh God, then why does it have to take this route or look like this? Why is this experience? What a, how many know in every moment it's like, God, I'm gonna trust you in the process. I'm gonna trust you in this process. If you're here today, you just acknowledge and say, I'm gonna trust the word of the one. I'm gonna hold on to the word. If that's you today, you say, I'm going to hold on to the word. Is there anybody today? You say, I'm going to hold on to the word. Whatever I'm walking through, I'm going to hold on to the word. I'm going to apply the word. I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to trust his word. Because there's other people in this room, and maybe today it's you're out of the boat, and you're in the rapids of life that are called sin and destruction, and Jesus is saying, I'm giving you salvation. Let's put our trust in him. He's faithful.